The following broadcast is brought to you by the friends and partners of Revival Ministries International. Lift your hands. Let every ear be anointed to hear now. Every word, Lord, burn in their hearts. Thank you. Even the book of Acts, your word declares, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. And thank you that your word shall prevail in and through your people, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The Lord began to deal with me this past week, extra fact, while I was teaching, and then Friday, and then really all through the night, and then yesterday. So I actually didn't even have a title for this message until uh, just before I walked down. I had the whole message written out, but I had no title for it, and you'll understand why in just a moment. But go with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 11. I'm going to read from verse 1. It came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Everybody say, teach and preach. Now, when John had heard in the prison the works of Jesus, he sent two of his disciples. So, what's interesting here that John didn't just hear the words of Jesus. He heard of the works of Jesus, which if you look at many ministers today, there are no works. There's just words. Anyway, and said unto him, Are thou he that should come, or do we look for another? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. So it's not just hearing. It's seeing. There's a hearing and seeing. The gospel is not just hearing. The gospel is hearing and seeing. The gospel must be heard and seen in every one of your lives. Why? Because you are the advertisement. You are the billboard that what God is doing is real because people will be able to see it. Somebody said, well, they're going to hear it from me. No, there has to be a step further than just hearing it from you. There must be a demonstration of the power of the gospel in your life. In every, somebody said, well, I'm not in the full-time ministry. Um, raise your right hand to heaven right now, and I'll deputize you right now. You are the ones that should be demonstrating the power of the gospel. So what did he tell them to go and, and, and tell them? What did he say? The blind see. The the blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. I mean, that's pretty evident. Somebody said, well, are any blind sing? No. Are any deaf? No. The lame? No. The dead? They're just dead. And the poor? Well, they don't have anything to help the poor. They poor themselves. In actual fact, they stand with their hands out. Verse 6 says, And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. How many of you know people right now 
that got offended in God over something. Who knows of a Christian that should be in church today, but they're not in church because they're offended. Way behind me. People get offended all the time at God. Somebody said, well, they offended me. No, you got offended at God. But you were just picking on somebody you could see because you can't see God, so you picked on one of his children. And the fact is, they were learning just like you were. Somebody said, well, they made mistakes. So have you made mistakes. That's why these people come along and say, well, I'm going I'm to I'm, I'm search the city. I'm going to look for a perfect church. I tell people all the time, stop looking. What do you mean? I say, well, there might be a perfect church, but you're not perfect. And when you walked in the door because you're not perfect, the church that you thought was perfect just became imperfect because you walked in the door. Verse 7, and as they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, what did you go out to the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? And what went ye out to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? A clothing? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in the king's houses. And what went you out to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before Thy face which shall prepare the way before thee. Verily I say unto you, among them which are born of a woman, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding that he is the least in the kingdom, that he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent taken by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if he will receive it, this will be Elias, which was for to come. He that had the ear, let him hear. Let him hear. But let me tell you, in hearing, you'll see. It is impossible to just hear the gospel and not see. The gospel, in its very nature, once it's heard and believed, is demonstrated and is manifested. Now, verse 16, whereunto shall I liken this generation? Well, we could say that. <laughs> Somebody said when he was talking back in his generation. This will apply right now in 2023. It's like under the children sitting in the markets, calling unto their fellows and saying, we have piped unto you, but you've not danced. We have mourned unto you, and you've not lamented. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he hath the devil. And the son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified in the children. And then he began to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done. So these cities that he's talking about is where most of the mighty works of Jesus were done because they repented not. So stop for a moment. Everybody said, if Jesus, I, think, I see Dolly Parton wrote another song uh, just recently from a dream that she had and she wrote it for her birthday and said, don't, as God saying, don't make me come back down there. No, it's actually a good song, but don't make me come back down there. <laughs> Dolly's becoming a preacher in the final hours. I mean, maybe she's trying to make, she's trying to square the thing on the other one. You know, I, I don't, anyway, leave that alone. But don't make me come down there. The bottom line, even if God, listen, even if Jesus came right now, they would still reject him. 
Somebody said, what are you talking about? If Jesus came, it would be so much better. No, you reject the people that he sent. If you reject the people he sent, why were you going to accept him? Don't look at me like that. Jesus was actually there. Jesus actually, he was in the cities doing miracles, and they refused. What are you going to say? He didn't fast and pray enough? <laughs> what, are you, what are you going to say? Jesus, you know, you could have done your meetings a little differently. Are you going to instruct Jesus on how to do his meetings? He went to one place. Actually, in fact, he went to Nazareth. He'd be brought up. And the Bible even says he could do no mighty work because of their unbelief, except he laid his hand on a few sick folk and healed them of minor ailments. This is Jesus. I remember one day I, I left a meeting and I was so, I was so disturbed about it because I, I knew God wanted to do so much. And I, I left the meeting and I was like moaning to the Lord. I was driving down the road. I said, Lord, really not right. I mean, I spent a lot of time in prayer. I mean, I was really waiting on you. I studied so much. I went in there, and it was just like, like seriously? I mean, <laughs> I knew you wanted to do so much more, but we didn't even get off the ground. And I was like moaning. I'm driving down the road, moaning? Who's ever moaned? I moaned. I was moaning. I was complaining. And the Lord said, I nearly drove off the road when he said, this he said, son. I wouldn't worry too much about it. He said, I couldn't have done any much more than what you did today, even if I was there myself. I said, what are you, I said, what? If you were here, it would have been much better. He said, no. He said, the same thing you up against, I would have been up against because it's unbelief. Unbelief will stop the flow of what God wanted to do. And then he, he referred to where he went to his hometown and could do no mighty work with the unbelief. And I was like, oh, okay. I feel happier now. Thank you, Lord. Somebody said, are you saying you're better than Jesus? I never said I was anything. I was complaining. I was the one that wanted him to. If you were here, you could have done a better job. He said, absolutely not. I could have done any more than what you did. I know that'll rock some religious people. Because that's why the church does what it does or does nothing. Because it said, well, Jesus is not here and we're here. And uh, I remember a friend of mine who was preaching back in the 50s, and uh, he's gone on to be with the Lord now, but he said he was preaching up in Montana somewhere, and a guy in the service died of a heart attack, died. So he's standing there, didn't know what to do, and, 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 and the Lord said, go, go back there and raise, raise him from the dead. He said, Lord, <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel I can do that. If Peter was here, he could do it. Peter. If Paul was here, he could do it. And the Lord said to him, Peter's not here, Paul's not here, but you are. Go back and raise him from the dead. So he went back, laid hands on him. The guy came back to life right at the back of the church. He said, he left that meeting. He was just like, huh, huh? <laughs> Peter's dead. Paul's dead. 
Jesus is not here. He's in heaven. He's at the right hand of the Father. But the Holy Ghost is here, and He comes to live on the inside of you. So He's going to require of you. Somebody, well, I don't really believe He raised the dead. Okay, just apologize to the family. I mean, at least give it a shot. Are you with me? Yeah, but what if I pray and He's still dead? Nothing's lost. Hello? He did. What if I go back and pray and the guy dies? He was going to die anyway. Are you grabbing a hold of this here? So now Jesus is like ticked off. Somebody says he would never do that. Jesus is so sweet and just so mild. Walked around barefoot with a lamb on his arm, speaking Elizabeth in English. For verily, verily, I say to thee. It's all these ads that you see that are woke ads. God gets you. God gets you. Billboards. God can get you. That's a religious group trying to reach out and tell you that God's washing his word, diluting his word to include you and your nonsense. God doesn't clean his word up to include you in your rubbish. Repent. Yeah. What does that mean? Turn around. Turn around. Amen. So he says, woe unto you, Chorazin, woe unto you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you. I mean, I've had preachers go and they preach. They didn't do any works, and they were mad because people didn't receive the message. I said, well, you actually gave half. What do you mean? Well, you didn't do any works. Oh, what do you mean? Well, you preached, didn't you? Yes. Well, shouldn't you have given the Lord opportunity to now do what he does? Yeah, well, I didn't want to do that. I don't want to put myself out there. I don't want to look like a fool. It's not your word. It's his word. It's not your reputation. It's his reputation. You have nothing to lose. Well, what if I pray for someone and they drop dead? Next. <laughs> Why is it that if you pray for somebody and they died, listen, if you pray for somebody and they died, then they look at you like you killed the person. People are going to the hospital all the time and they're dying. They don't blame the doctors. Even though some of the the stuff is medical malpractice, we understand all that. But let's talk about good doctors. Even good doctors lose patients. You don't blame the good doctor. You've got good dentists and bad dentists. The good dentist fixes your teeth. The bad dentist pulls them all out. And gives you chiclets. Good doctors fix you. Bad doctors take everything out of you. And put everything in you that shouldn't even be there. Amen. All right, so Jesus is now ticked off. Won't you, 
Chorazin, and Bethsaida. For if the mighty works were done in you, had been done in Tyre and Sidon, which obviously were wicked, wicked cities, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, you, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell for the mighty works which were done in you. If it had been done in Sodom, it would still have remained to this day. This is Jesus speaking. But I say unto you that it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. So what do we do? What, what do we say here? What, 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 what do we say here to America? What do we say here to Washington, D.C.? Do you know how many nights have been in D.C.? We spent 39 nights in Washington, D.C. What do we say? Woe unto you, D.C. Woe unto you. What do we say? What do we say to Tampa? What do we say to Orlando? What do we say to Miami? What do we say to Chicago? What do we say to Detroit, Houston? Now, trust me, I'm going to get to the title of the message here in just a moment. Because we've got a lot of people running around acting like they care more for the earth and for the church and for people than God does. They do. What do you do? I have to do this. I just got to do it. I tell you, if we don't, okay, fine. But do, do you care more than God cares? I'm just asking you. Because I listen to all the, especially the younger ministers talk. Well, what if we're not getting the response we should do? Just keep preaching the word. Just keep preaching the word and keep doing the works of Jesus. Keep laying hands on the sick. Keep casting out devils. Some say, yeah, but it's not happening fast enough. Just keep doing it. Do it every day. Do it twice a day. Do it three times a day. Do it every day. Do it every week. And just keep doing it. You'll break through. You will break through. You'll break through. So now, let me get into. <laughs> Verse 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, Oh, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent and revealed them unto babes. Under babes. So there's many people that are in the height of the echelons of the religious realm, but they can't even see these things. But new Christians grab hold of it, and in their simplicity of faith, they grab a hold of the power of the gospel. They have to be talked out of these things by older senior men that have walked for many, many years. I've been in the way for 40 years. Yes, you have. Look at you. You've blocked the way that nobody can come through, you ugly thing, you. <laughs> he goes on, even so, Father, for it seemed good in thy sight. Now watch what he says. All things are delivered unto me of my Father. And no man knows the Son but the Father. Neither knows any man the Father save the Son. And he to whomever the Son will reveal him. Now, you ready for this? 
Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The title of my message today, what is your burden? What is your burden? There are many people, I meet them all the time, they're carrying a religious burden. They're not carrying the burden where the yoke is easy and the burden is light. They're not carrying it because it stresses them out. They preach two services and they're whacked out of the tree. They, they have to sleep for five days. What number meeting is this for me? 20? 27. 27 meetings. I'm, I'm like energized here. Why? Because I'm doing what God's called me to do. I'm, I'm not under pressure. I don't have to perform anything. I just put the word out. God does what he does. Somebody said, well, I'm not in the ministry, but it's the same thing in your business. I tell you, I'm, I'm going to believe God. I'm going to make millions of dollars from the end of harvest. And you're grumpy while you do it. You're moaning while you do it. You complain because your burden is not easy and your yoke, the yoke is not easy and your burden is not light. You have put upon yourself a burden and have allowed the world to put upon you a burden that God never put on you. It would be just like Saul's armor on David when he's going to battle. You can't even see. The helmet's over, closed. You can't even see. You can't even walk. You're trying to carry somebody else's armor. So what's your burden? So we said, I've got to see more people saved. We have to see more. Well, how many are you getting saved now? Well, we're not seeing enough. But you're still getting people saved. So rejoice over that and just keep getting people saved. And passing the church. I want to see more people. What, what, what people? Because if they, I want to see the crowds grow. So then when that happens, they have to swap out everything that God wants to do. Take out tongues out of the service. Nobody speak in tongues. Don't have anybody fall under power. We don't want anybody to think that we're crazy. So now what are you doing? You're putting a burden upon yourself to try to grow something that really Jesus won't even come to. True. So, and you see, Pastor, they built these things, and then like two, three years, four years, five, ten years, wish, I wish I was out of here. I'll tell you, oh, God, I have to travel. They tell me, I have to travel to get relief. Huh. What? It's your church. <laughs> what do you mean you have to travel? To get, I just have to get out of here. That used to be me many years ago, right here at the river, because while I'm gone, while the, cat, while, you know, while the cat's away, the mice play, and everybody does everything, and Saul's armor came in, every work of the flesh comes in, yeah? I come back, take one look on a Sunday morning and go, really, seriously, this is what we're building? I tell Pastor Eric, get me out of here. Get me out of here. But COVID happened, and I, I wasn't going out of here, and then I just said, I said, we're going to change that. Well, we changed that. Don't sing that song. I don't want to ever hear that song again. Do you understand? Well, we've been singing for 15 years. I don't care. Scrap it. 
We're not doing that anymore. We're not doing this anymore. We're not we went through every inch of the ministry from the little kids all the way through the youth into the Bible school. We changed everything, began to implement everything and created an environment where I'm actually happy to be. And, and it, really, it really irks me that I have to miss a Sunday morning to be somewhere else if I have to. And I haven't missed a Sunday since I got arrested. But I tell the pastor, whoever I'm coming to, don't, don't make me miss the river to come there and sit with your nonsense. Let me tell you right now, I'm not going to tolerate it. Amen. I'm not sacrificing a Sunday at the river to come there and play your protocol protocol. I'll do altar call, altar call, but we're not doing your protocol protocol. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, whether you're in the ministry or you're in business, whatever you are functioning as, I want you to ask yourself, ask yourself the question, take just a moment, don't answer it out loud. Ask yourself the question, what's your burden? What burden are you carrying? Is that burden from Jesus? I'm just asking. He said, my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. After all, it's his ministry. And if you're in kingdom business, it's his business. These are your chickens. These are your cows. These are your fish. These are your plants. This is yours. This is your business. These are your people. And then whatever you find to do, do with all your might, but be happy when you're doing it. Rejoice. And be glad. Some said, yeah, but you didn't look like that during the five and a half months because I had to get the thing ready for the 22nd. Are you with me? And we had two hurricanes, Thanksgiving and Christmas. So I'm asking you to assess yourself. Here we are, early part of February 2023, because I promise you, it doesn't matter what you do, especially when you launch out a new company or new endeavor that you're going to do, there always comes the pressure. And then the problem comes is if you get around people that are not even connected to the Holy Ghost, and they come, they're the expertise, they know what to do, and they come to tell you, but all of the stuff they're going to give you is Saul's armor, and it's a burden. They put a burden. You have to do this. You must do this. Well, first of all, if God's the one leading you, ask God what he wants you to do. God, remember, God has a solution for every problem that you're facing in your life outside of the experts. Hello? Hello? Hello, River Church people. Hello, good people of Riverville. (laughs) 
God has an answer for every single problem that you might be facing. I don't care. Somebody said, well, I'm in over my head. This stuff is way advanced for me. God's more advanced than the stuff that's way advanced. Somebody said, I'm sitting now with 10 of the greatest minds. Their great minds are minuscule in compare. Every, every, all 10 wisdom, all 10 knowledge combined, God has more under his little fingernail than all of them put together. So why don't you ask him? Ask him. No, somebody said, can we learn from people? Yes, we can learn practical things. There's nothing wrong. I study biographies. I study autobiographies. I study history. I'm learning all the time. I haven't found a thing I can download. I can go through a big, thick book in 30 minutes. On Friday, I went through four books. Because it gives the summary and gives me the main points. I'm not worried about all the blah, 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 blah. I get the main points. Amen? Amen. Amen? You drive for an hour. You can go through three books. Somebody said, well, you won't remember all of that. I'll remember what I need to. And the Holy Spirit's there to help you. So there's a rest. I tell you, I've got to make this work. I need to make this. I have to be a success. I, I just got to make this work. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Then, you know, people come to the church, take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. You know, <laughs> leave it there, leave it there. And so, but people take it to the Lord the moment they leave. What are you doing here? I, 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 uh, I come to pick it up. <laughs> no, no, no. You laid it at the altar. No, I, I, I need to take it with me. I, there's something about the burden I, I just need to work on. And they leave with the burden they came. You know what I've found in revival over the years? People get so free, they don't know what to do with the freedom, so they go hang around people that are bound to try to, can, can you give me a little bit of bondage just to calm down my freedom because I don't know what to do with this. I'm so free. No, seriously. And I come back, I come back to the church a year later. It's not even the same church that we went to. When we left them after four weeks, they were jumping up and down. They were winning souls. They were on fire for God. And, they were, and, everything. and you come back a year later, they're all just looking. They just sit there and look. And I go, what happened to you? What in the world happened to you? Somebody came there. Somebody came through with a virus of unbelief. Somebody came through with a virus of unbelief and started masking everybody up. I'm talking about 20 years ago. It got nothing to do with COVID. It was a spiritual nonsense they came and put upon the people. Suddenly now the people are so free, they've got to go through 17 weeks of circumcision. <laughs> I'm coming back to a mutilated church. People have been circumcised so much, nothing left. Mutilated, sitting there in total pain. And I go, but you were the one that God set free. The Lord healed you. You climbed out of a wheelchair, didn't you? Yes, and then you were suffering from depression, and God gave you joy. What happened now? 
Who are you hanging around? What burden did you pick up? Where did you get this burden? Just asking. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And then you have a lot of preachers that have a burden, and they go put that burden on everybody. I tell people this. When I come to their church, I don't leave you with a burden. I leave you lighter than what I found you. Now, some of the ministers get mad at me because I took away the burden they just gave those people. Don't take it away. That's like a 17-week series that I, they bought the book, they got the T-shirt, and now you're freeing them up. I'm going to have to put them back in the bondage when you leave. Yeah. I went to one church. We preached. <laughs> Listen, there's probably like 200 people there. We, we packed the thing out, 500. Then we put a tent up, 1,000 people in the tent. And the place was jammed. It was rocking. And when I left, the pastor got up and told everybody, okay, the fun's over now, back to work. And then he proceeded to teach for six weeks about Martin Luther. Like from a history book. And killed the church. Everybody, people left. People left. People took off, left. Then he said, you know, revival came and ruined my church. No, no, no. Your church was ruined when we got there. We took one look at it. It was ruined. And then we spent 48 meetings smacking it up the side of the head. The joy of the Lord came. And then you went right back and told them, fun's over, back to work. But he didn't know what to do. Because he even told me, he said, what do I preach? I said, the simplicity of the gospel. And let God move. And turn the people loose. So people don't like that. They want to control everything. You can't control everybody. Well, if I just tell them to go lay hands on the sick and cast out devils, they'll be causing trouble. They'll be going to Walmart. And, and I'll be shopping there. And then my people are causing a commotion in aisle 13. And it'd be embarrassing for me when I'm shopping and then suddenly they go, hello, pastor, how are you? I'm just leading them to Jesus right here. Why is it that some people always have a heaviness about them? Why, why is it? Why is it that Christians who God has set free, saved, healed, delivered, okay? You might be facing something that you face him, but why is always a heaviness? <laughs> Lift up the hands that hang down. Lift up the voice now still. 
Sing unto God continuous praise. Sing forth from Zion's hill. I was talking to my son-in-law, Caleb. He just returned back from the Kenai Peninsula of Alaska. And he got down there. He was, he, you know, there's one of the biggest churches in there just attacking everything. He attended the service last Sunday morning. The guy attacked healing, attacked miracles, attacked prosperity, attacked everything. And the community's got like 2,500 people in it. There's probably had 150 people. And then he proceeded to tell everybody he's from their background. Nothing works. And he's never been to Bible school. And now he's the pastor of this church. Which if I was there, I said, well, if you haven't been, then sit down and shut up and stop ruining these people's lives. But you've got, you've got many of the, of, the, of the locals that are just into that kind of stuff. Alaska is that kind of a place. It's a place of mavericks and people running away to escape. You've got murderers and uh, you know, all kinds of stuff. I'm not saying every Alaskan is that way, but you have a lot of people in hiding up there. Are you with me? And so the kind of pastor that goes up there is a pastor that can't make it down here. And he's, he's got like an arrogance about him, but he goes up there because he knows that he can just you know, they're gonna, it's, a, it's a tough group of people. You have to, because of the sun set for so many days and darkness and all this kind of whatever. And so they go there and they don't like the power of God. Because I've been up there, we've packed places out, but they want to fight you. The pastors want to fight you. Not the locals, the natives. They love the tribal people. They love all of that. And Pastor Caleb said to me, he said, the tribal people love me. He said, all of the different tribes. I said, yeah, because you have the power. These other people that just have a word. They only have a word. And he said, Dad, he said, the other night, a man showed up, and he was just sat and stared at me and glared at me for two nights. And he, obviously, he was just sitting there. He did not respond. He didn't do anything. He just glared at me. And so I called, and he was the first person to come up in the line, and I laid my hands on him. And when I laid my hands upon him, nothing happened. I kept my hands on him and prayed for him. Nothing happened to this man. He was probably in his 50s, a native Alaskan, probably one of the Indian tribes. And so he said, I left the service, and I was a little concerned because I prayed for him. Now, everybody was getting hit, so I didn't worry about them. I, laid, I kept my hands on him for about 20 minutes. But it looked like nothing happened. And he said the next night he wasn't there. He said the next night, the guy comes in, he's dancing, he's like dancing, like a totally different person. He's hugging everybody, he's walking in. And he said, I looked at him, I thought, what? What happened? You've you got to come talk to me, because I watched you for two nights. Where, what in the world? He said, well, first of all, I haven't slept since you laid hands on me. He said, <laughs> so, he said what you don't know was... When, when I was 20, myself and a friend of mine, we were racing through the, 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 the tree logging roads and we rode over a kid. And he said, my friend left me there and I had to pick this boy up and I walked for miles back to take him to the hospital. And he said, when I got there, the kid died. And he said, I never ever forgave myself. My friend ran because he didn't want to get arrested. And he said, and of course, he's not married. He, he doesn't interact with anybody. He was working at one of the fisheries there and just doesn't talk to anybody. He lives in a cabin. He sees nobody. He just goes to his cabin. And he's been doing this for 25, 30 years. And he doesn't respond to anybody. doesn't greet anybody. doesn't say hello, nothing. And he said, when you laid hands on me, it looked like nothing happened. But he said, I went home and I got into my cabin and I started to laugh. 
And he said, I laughed and I laughed and I laughed. I laughed for hours. This has happened now, Thursday. I laughed through the night, he says. I got up, I felt so refreshed. He said, I went to my work today at the fishery. Everybody's going, What's, what happened to you? Well, we've never seen you like this. He's greeting everybody. He's jumping up and down. But he said, God set me free. This thing is gone from me. It is gone from my life. And I said, that's the difference between you and these religious ministers there. The religious ministers can't reach the person because they come with rhetoric. They come with reasoning. They just come with words. But you didn't just come with words. You came with the power of the gospel. You came with the word of the Lord. And you put your hands on him. And the anointing destroyed the yoke of bondage. And I've often said that to myself. If I go to a place, if it's just for one person, if it, and, and, and so I, you know, I don't, somebody said, well, your expectations are low. I go to places, I just look for one person. On the 300 city tour, I look for 100 people. 100 people that catch five souls. That's all. And don't worry about the numbers. Numbers come, numbers go. But he told me, he said, Dad, the, the change between that guy from when I saw him to when he walked in the next night, it was like, I've never seen anything like this. He was like a totally new person. And he said, you know what? From the time that happened, I've never had any joy. I've had never had joy. I never have had joy. It's like something happened, something died that night when I carried that kid. He's, and the, the same reason why he's not even married. Not married. He couldn't interact with anybody. He worked his work. But, but that was it. And you know, <clears throat> let me close with this. We could, we could use that man as an example. I meet people like that in church. I meet ministers like that in church. I meet, I meet people in business. I meet, I meet millionaires like that. I meet people that have climbed to the highest peaks. But the burden they have is not the one Jesus gives. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. He says, I'm going to lift your burdens. I'm going to lift them. I'm going to lift them. I'm going to lift them. Yes. Hallelujah. And what happens when he lifts those burdens. When he lifts those burdens, then you're able to go and help other people. And you say, hey, 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 bring that burden here. What do you do? No, I, I inherited this from my father. This was handed down to me. It's part of my inheritance. This comes from my great, 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 great grandfather. It is going today. It is going today. It is going today. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. So I'm not asking you to go all internal and spend hours trying to analyze it. Just make a decision. Um, the burden I've had, uh, you know, I picked it up somewhere. I went to a conference. Somebody gave me a burden, and I've been having this burden. And I thought it was the Lord's burden. It was not. 
he burns light. I'm getting rid of the burden. So you can, you can dump it. We've got still dumpsters here from all the construction. You can, you can dump your dump. You can dump your whatever. You can dump your burden in the dumpster on the way out of here, but you're not leaving this property the same way you came here today. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Who needed to hear this this morning? It's not, listen, it's not that somebody did it intentionally. It's the only burden they had. You come here, we're going to give you a burden for souls. Well, which is a good burden. But you can't save the world. I've been in meetings, I have to use those big moving equipment there to, to take the trash out after we've had the service. Just from all the stuff that's been dumped. If you're going to have a ministry, have it with the burden that Jesus gives and the yoke Jesus gives. Don't have it with some religious issue that they've given to you. Go set the captives free. Set them free. Set them free. This week, the captives are going to get set free. This week, in the city of Tampa, this week in Central Florida, the captives are going to get set free. This week, you're going to lay hands on the sick. You're going to cast out devils. This week, you're going to win souls. And you're going to do it with joy. And you're going to be happy. And you're going to be blessed. Hallelujah. You're not going to be stressed. And you're going to be worn out. You're going to be on fire. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Well, that's what I had in my spirit. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I want you to bow your heads across this room, and you that are watching by television, I want to give every person here an invitation right now. Maybe you came here today. You don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or you're watching. You've never accepted him as your Lord and Savior. But I want to give you an opportunity to accept him today, to say, yes, Lord. Yes, today I surrender my life. What would happen if today was your last day on the earth? You went home tonight, put your head on your pillow, breathed out your last breath. Where would you go? Where would you spend eternity? I want you to know there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And you don't have to go to devil's hell because 2,000 years ago on Calvary's cross, the price was paid, the blood was shed. And just like that old song said, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood. Lose all their guilty stain. Today, the power of sin will be broken off of your life and you leave your changed 
not by the hand of man, but by the hand of the Lord. He calls you today. He says, come. Come unto me, all ye that labor and have laden. I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come. He calls you. Maybe you're here today. You say, Pastor, I, I did give my life to the Lord in days gone by, but I've grown cold. Maybe some of that growing cold had to do with the burden that you picked up that robbed you of the joy that you had, robbed you, took away the joy of your salvation. Today, God will restore it to you. He'll restore to you the joy of your salvation. Maybe something hidden no one could see. Pride, unforgiveness, bitterness, jealousy, anger, lust. You heard the testimony already of the young lady, totally set free. God is in the setting people free business. That's kingdom business. He loves you. He says, come. Maybe it's not hidden. Maybe something outward that all can see. A storm that came against your life. A sudden divorce, a bankruptcy, the loss of a loved one, a sudden illness, the betrayal of a close friend, the loss of a job. Something happened that shook your world, rocked your world, took your breath away. But you say, today I'm coming back. He calls you. He says, come. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I have given my life to the Lord. I do love the Lord, but I'm not sure of my salvation. The devil's always lying to me, telling me that I'm not saved. But today I want to make sure. Today I want to know that I know that I know that I'm a child of God. If this is you, I want to pray with you and for you. Right where you are, right across the auditorium, in the balconies, on the main floor. If you didn't raise your hand, if you, if you don't, if you fit in any one of these categories, I want to pray for you. Put your hand up right now and say, pray for me. I need Jesus. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. In the west balcony, in the south balcony, slip your hand up right now. Under the, yeah, right under the overhang over there. Slip it up high. Thank you. I see your hand. Slip it up high, right over there. Thank you. In the, in the, in the, in the uh, north balcony, just slip your hand up. Yes, sir. Anybody else, just raise up high and say, yes, Lord. Today, today is my day of freedom and liberty. And in your home, just slip your hand up. Somebody said, nobody can see me. Jesus can see you right where you are. Okay, you can put your hands down. I want you to look at me right now in this middle section and then the west balcony. If you didn't raise your hand but want to be included right now, put your hand up and say, include me. Anybody else? Thank you. Anyone else? Just raise up high. Thank you. Right over there. This section here and the south balcony. Didn't raise your hand but want to be included. Put your hand up right now and say, include me. Anyone else? Thank you. Right over here. And this section here and the north balcony, just slip your hand up and say, yes, thank you. Anybody else? Right at the back. Anyone else? We're going to pray. I want you to stand, if you would please, right across the auditorium. The ushers will help you come down from the balcony, from the main floor. Stand. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Right at the back. Go ahead. Stand. Ushers will help you. Come stand right here. We're going to pray together. Help them from the balcony. Bring them from the main floor. Bring them right here. 
turning back. No turning back. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me. The cross before me. The world behind me. The cross before me. The world behind me. No turning back. No turning back. You can take the whole world, but give me Jesus. You can take the whole world, but give me Jesus. Take the whole world, but give me Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Now I want you all to look at me, if you would, please, and you that are watching in your homes, as I pray with them here, you pray with us. If you mean busy with God, God means busy with you. You might say, but pastor, you don't know what I've done or where I've been. No, I don't. And between you and me, it has nothing to do with me. It has to do with you and the Lord. And if you mean business today, then that's going to be sorted out today, right here, Right now, today, whether you come for the first time to give your life to the Lord or you come to recommit your life or you've come to make sure, you that are watching in your homes as we pray with them, pray with us. I want you to close your eyes. Raise your right hand to heaven. Pray this together with me right now. Say, Father, I come to you in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Lord, you said in your word, if I confess with my mouth, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior, and I believe in my heart that God has raised you from the dead, I will be saved. So, Father, right now, I confess Jesus is my Lord and my Savior, come into my heart right now. Take out the stony heart. Put in a heart of flesh. Wash me. Cleanse me. Change me. Fill me. Use me. Let me never be the same again. I turn my back on the world. I turn my back on sin. And I follow you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. Thank you that on the third day you rose for me. And thank you that you're coming back again for me.
from this day on, I'll never be the same again. I confess Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. He is my Lord and my Savior. And right now, by faith in the finished work of the cross and by the shed blood of Jesus, I'm saved. Thank you, Lord. Now just lift those hands. Let me pray over you. Father, I pray that you would seal them now by your blood and by your spirit, that on that day not one would be missing. Raise them up to be mighty men and women of God and use them, Lord, to impact this generation. Let the anointing of heaven go right into them right now from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. Set the captives free today. Every power of the enemy is broken off of your life and you're never going to be the same again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. From this day, from this day, you'll never look back. And it's broken. Broken. Off of your life. Off of your life. Off of your life. Off of your life. It's broken. It's broken. Off of your life, lady. Broken. Off of your life. From this day. Same for you. Same for you. Amen. The same for every single one of you. Broken. That's the power of God on you. Sharon. That's the power of God on you right now. That's not a word of knowledge. I read your name tag. The power of God's on you right now. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Free. 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 We set you free. We set you free by the power of the blood of Jesus. From this day, thank you, Lord. Let the quickening take place even in their physical bodies. That today people are healed right here by your anointing, set them free from every bit of drugs, alcohol, every addiction, anything that would hold them back. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, and now normally the Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. This program has been brought to you by the friends and partners of Revival Ministries International in Tampa, Florida. For more information on the ministry of Drs. Rodney and Adonica Howard Brown or for additional resources, visit Revival.com.